0: So we are on episode 143. Can you believe it? We're almost to 150 episodes. So I'm super excited about this week's episode because we've been having our full series. So this is the final um, one in the series on grant writing made easy, right? So we, we went ahead and we looked at how is grant writing made easy to begin with? Well, first we need to break down the grant lingo. And that was in episode 140. And then we looked at grant writing hacks, right? So doing the actual grant writing. So I gave you my six top hacks. So do check that podcast out. And then last week we talked about how to do the grant research. Okay. So now you know all about the grant lingo, you know, all the grant language and you know where to, you know how to write the grants. Then we talked about how to find the grants. And today our episode to close it out is to answer your questions <laughs> so here are some very typical questions I got but I also recently had a, um, a free grant writing training the three proven steps to 10x your grant writing skills and I had a lot of questions I had a Q&A section and I had three different um, trainings so I pulled some of the questions that I had um, that I've been actually asked before in different ways so I wanted to address these questions as a lot of you guys had these same types of questions in the past and now in the present right so I wanted to address them What I'm going to do today is a little bit uh, different from our normal podcast because I'm actually going to just be reading the question and then I'm gonna answer it. So I think this is really good just so you can hear these are questions that real people had, right? And I'm answering those questions. But before we go into the podcast episode today, I also wanna announce the launch. All right, so the six week live grant writing master course has been released, the doors close, Thursday, November 3rd. 5th, all right, and we start right on Monday, November 9th, with the six week course. So, what you all get in that is you get um, videos, you have more than 39 videos, downloadables, etc. So, every week we meet on Monday, right, Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and these live sessions will also be recorded um, if you're not able to attend. And we go ahead and we talk about what's the training going to be coming out that week, and then we have videos throughout the week that you do right so you have the videos and downloadables and you will also be working on your master grant application so every single week you bring your work right that you've been able to do you bring it to the group we give feedback we go back and forth we fine-tune all things that you have regarding grants and then by the end of this you have a master grant application developed. You can pull from that, you can use it for other grants in the future, you can use it for fundraising, you can use it for website copy, you can use it for so many things, but you will have gone through the process of creating a master grant application, and you will have improved your grant writing skills tremendously. This is a very in-depth program, and we really see a lot of results, all right, a lot of results from the live class. So I also have a DIY grant writing master course, So if you really want to do it all on your own, you can definitely get that. But the live version includes the DIY um, videos and everything, but it also has the live component where we meet weekly, right? And on Zoom, we have a virtual live meeting um, where we actually go over all through step-by-step. So you get your handheld through this entire process, you have accountability, you have a group of like-minded people, I'm there to lead the way, and you also get a private Facebook group just for this specific cohort. Um, and then I also jump in on Thursdays in the Facebook group and do live Q&A. So kind of halfway, you know, we meet Monday, so then on Thursdays I go ahead and give it some updates. If you want to join that, and the beautiful thing about this is what I'm offering this year, is that you can retake this you can audit this course in the future so when i do another live grant writing master course in 2021 you can go ahead and take it again if you want some refreshers right and you do not have to pay anything to retake the course but that course is going to be more it's going, the price will go up in 2021 so it's good if you get on it now so you get this price that i have my final six week Grant writing master course in 2020 go ahead and get it so then if you do want to retake any of the live component in the future you can definitely retake it. Um, and you always have access to the DIY all of the videos, everything all of the content will always be there for your for you and I do update that um, throughout time so I just actually updated a lot of the things in the course so you do get access to all of the updates as well. So if you are interested in joining that, please do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com. You will definitely see a link right away. And hey, if you are already listening to this and it's past November, it's past the close date, jump over anyways. I'll have a wait list for my live, for my next live grant writing master course. So you can, if this is really what you're interested in, you can definitely get on that waiting list and you can also see the DIY grant writing master course there as well. All right. So let's get into it today. Some of the questions that I have. So one question I had was, it's hard to get funding for general operations. So how do you find funding for that? And a lot of this means like just your day to day, right? So what are general operations? Well, you know, that is all of like, you have to pay your lease. If you have a headquarters, you have to pay your internet. If you have a bookkeeper, you pay your bookkeeper, your executive director sometimes isn't actually in grant programs, they just oversee them. So there's different, you know, things that just what it takes to actually run the operation. What are the real costs, right? So a lot of grants Will just fund certain projects, right? So it has to be direct cost, like to a project, a lot of times. Um, and they won't fund certain things that are just general operating. So, what I said was you can find monies for these. For one thing, certain grants actually do say general operations are an eligible cost. So, you would definitely want to apply for those, right? If you're looking for general operating costs the other thing you can do is always include indirect line item in all of your budgets all right so i always use the federal template right so the federal categories and one of the categories in a federal budget is indirect so what does indirect cost mean well that means kind of like your general ops right it's things that aren't directly related to that specific project So, if you had a project and you're going to have a program where you serve survivors of human trafficking and you're going to have a lease and you're going to have, you know, maybe a van and you're going to do different services for them, but you also have your bookkeeper, you also have your headquarters and all of that. So, you can either put percentages of that directly in the grant to try to cover your general operations. So, you say, yes, of course, it's not going to be a full time bookkeeper for this grant, but, you know, 10% or 15% of their time is gonna be covered in this grant directly. So you can do percentages or you can include that indirect line item. So that means it's not directly related, like direct project costs, but it is indirectly related. So it is that we still need to have an office. We still do need to pay, You know, the executive director is gonna be overseeing the grant program. So we need to have a certain percentage that covers their salary or for the bookkeeper or for the rent. Those sort of things can all be included in the indirect line item. And you can go up to 10% of any grant for indirect cost. So that's really wonderful. I always encourage people to use the indirect line item in budgets. And I also, or I say, just include a certain percentage under direct uh, line items if it really makes sense. So those are two different ways. And of course, the third way is, as I mentioned at the beginning, is to actually seek out specific grants that fund general operating costs. All right, so let's go to our next question. Another question I got, and this was one I actually get, this is one I get pretty often, is as a non-US grant seeker, are there any sources you can share to help us win a grant? Any tips and tricks? Well, this one I actually get a lot, right? Because a lot of the listeners of this podcast They're not all in the United States or in the territories, right? You guys are all over the world. I love you guys out there. So some of you guys are in South Africa, some of you are in Australia, some of you are in um, different countries in Africa, some of you are in Europe. I have people from South America. Even on our calls last week, we had people from Bolivia, Argentina, London, like all over the place. So, um, what I say to that is, you know, you can definitely get grants as non-US grant seekers. So I actually lived abroad in Kuwait and Belgium. For a while, and I wrote grants for US nonprofits. So there's a couple of different ways that you can do that, though, as a non-US organization. So you can tap into some US federal funding. Um, and that is one thing I did help non-US based um, organizations did when I was working abroad was to actually tap into funding from the United States. So that's one way to do it. How do you do that? Well, some federal grants actually are allocated to international nonprofits and to international programs, or they're actually allocated to um, U.S. nonprofits that are based internationally. So you might have like, you know, U.S., nonprofit and they're registered in the United States with a 501c3 there and they have the tax status. However, their main base could be in Jordan, right? So you can have, that totally happens. I know, actually, I know one of the um, nonprofits that's out there. Hey, Jason, if you're listening. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can definitely tap into U.S. federal funding still because you have that tax status. However, if you're not a U.S. tax status or 501c3, you're actually of the country you're in, right? then you can still kind of tap into U.S. embassy funding sometimes. So U.S. embassy that is based abroad sometimes funds programs within the country. So that's another way you can tap into it. Um, foundations, a lot of U.S. foundations, they also give internationally. And a good example of this is like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who primarily doesn't give to organizations in the United States. They give to organizations that are, you know, doing things abroad for um, children and for health and that sort of thing. So there's definitely, it depends, foundations, they like to give either geographically or priority-based. So if you meet their priority of serving a certain mission and that aligns with their mission, they, they will give you funding or they can give you funding. So that's another way you can look at it. And of course, applying for, there's not just money in the United States. We have amazing United Nations organizations. We have amazing organizations, foundations in other countries. In your own country, there's different monies that can be available. Once again, as long as it meets the same mission that your nonprofit does. Me, you can definitely tap into a lot of international funding. I see a lot of funding coming out of the European Union. And yeah, I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And Canada has really strong funding. So you can definitely tap into other areas to find money abroad. And then I had another question. Would you recommend college courses for beginning grant writers? I don't know. Okay, here's the thing. And here's the thing with that is because... It depends, I would say. Sure, you can definitely get some great college courses, right? But a lot of the professors that teach grant writing are actually grant writers. They might just be adjunct and run their own businesses. So I would say, yes, that would be a good place, possibly. Um, however, there's a lot of programs that you can get a grant writing certificate through. Um, So from an actual grant writer that's in the field, the only reason I'd be a little bit wary going through some universities is if it's too academic and the professor isn't in the field. Um, then they might not be able to answer all of your questions, right? That would be one thing. And I know, <laughs> not knocking on anything because I know a lot of universities use my book, right? And that's why they use my book because I'm in the field. I, I've been doing this for so long. I have a system built out for you, right? So you can tap into, as long as that academic professor is is tying into active grant writers, I think that's good if you're really looking for credit. But I wouldn't say, you know, if that's not part of your credit system and you're just trying to improve your grant writing skills and all you're gonna do is take one course and it might not be going towards a degree, you might have a better Uh, monetary value, right, budget better, and being able to find uh, grant writing courses. I mean, of course, I offer one. (laughs) I just talked about my live grant writing course and my DIY uh, grant writing course. And um, But there's a lot of them out there. Um, The Grant Professionals Association offers one. Rodney Walker offers a grant writing certificate. So there's a lot of different places where you can find that from actual active uh, grant writers that might be a good way that you can, instead of going for a whole 16 weeks or whatnot of a semester, you can take in a shorter amount of time and a more condensed version. Yeah, absolutely. There's some options to that. Okay, another question. What's the best approach when a foundation states they don't accept unsolicited applications? You guys are gonna see this a lot if you're doing grant research. And one thing that I always tell people, I say, go on LinkedIn. Okay, (laughs) that might sound crazy, but LinkedIn is super good for getting uh, past the gatekeeper, right? So if I put in Ford Foundation or Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or whatnot, not only can I follow that organization and start liking and commenting on their post and, and developing a relationship that way, but even better is I can connect with the people who are running programs, they'll actually show you, like if you put in that foundation name, then they'll also show you a list of people who work there. So I can directly contact them and be like, hey, I know you're not accepting solicited, unsolicited uh, applications right now but you know we have this program and I just think you guys do amazing work and just would like to connect with you like don't put any pressure on you know like just don't come out and ask for funding like right away especially when you're trying to introduce yourself to someone like that's just not cool remember it's a relationship Right? So, even on LinkedIn, you just might wanna say, hey, I really love what you guys do, you know, and I love us to to connect more. Um, And maybe if you do open the doors, let us know and then just start liking and commenting and and on, on their post, right? Like start developing a relationship. And this is one of the things that I say, man, so many nonprofits have got it wrong where they only submit to a foundation once that cycle is open every year, they don't spend time developing a relationship. They don't, you see, they, they don't get funded. They get irritated and disappointed and then they just kind of give up. Here's the thing on, on average, a foundation is going to say no to you at least three years before they say yes to you. Does that sound like, oh no? Well, here's the thing how many nonprofits dissolve right away? How many nonprofits, you know, they get started and then they just kind of fizzle out? A foundation wants to know that you are serious, that you have staying power, that you're going to be there, that when they fund your program, you're just not going to go away, and they need to develop a relationship with you. So if you only send them an application and ask them for money once a year, that's not developing a relationship, right? But if you actually invite them to things, if you actually ask to present at their board meetings about your really cool project, you know, and, and not just ask them for money, but actually try to develop a relationship, then your chances of getting in the door and getting your application accepted are a lot easier. In fact, You might not even have to have to ask them. They might end up asking you because you're, you're not asking for money. You're just saying, Hey, how can we work together? We love what you're doing. Let's, you know, like start this relationship, see what we're doing, all of that. And then they might say, Hey, do you need money for that? Like, why don't you go ahead and send us an application? So take the time, but don't do it with just any foundation that has money. Okay. Find the ones that you love. That you're like, man, I love them. They, their mission statement connects with ours. We are so, you know, in the same lane. Like we really love, we actually do love what they're doing. And that way it's going to be really authentic and you can actually start to develop a relationship. All right. And here's one final question. Although I got a lot more, but I'm just picking up some of the top ones here that I get asked quite a lot. My client does not know how to guide me and I am not sure what questions to ask when seeking grants from him so this is definitely from a freelance grant writer here's the thing remember to have a kickoff meeting right so I talked about this a little while ago but it's so so important to actually have a list of all the things that you as a freelance grant writer are going to want right so you're gonna need certain things right you're gonna need to know like okay do you guys have any data about your needs yet do you have a budget already can I see what your annual budget is can you give me an outline of what the costs are for things because you're not going to know how much they pay their employees, right? If you're supposed to develop a budget, you need to have that kind of information. You're also going to need things like resumes and board member names and, you know, just a list of different things that you have to have. So, you know, their 501c3 status letter, their SAM number, all of these things that you want to make sure that you have. So, first off, you know, they're not going to know how to guide you. Okay? Your clients won't, especially if they're just starting to work with freelance grant writers or starting up in grants, they don't know what they need. That's why they hired you, right? So you wanna have a list that you come with and say, hey, look, I need all of these things. You send it an email so it's very easy to track. And then you also have a kickoff meeting. So the kickoff meeting then goes over this specific grant. And at the meeting, you wanna have the executive director the bookkeeper or the accountant, right? Whoever manages the money. And you also want to have, if they have like a grant coordinator, that's going to help you with anything. Um, so you definitely want them at the meeting. And then if you also are going to be writing about a certain niche that you need more information, if they have any kind of expert. For example, um, a grant I just wrote, uh, well, I wrote a couple of years ago for the National Science Foundation grant, and it was all about linguistics, right? So I don't know anything about linguistics, now I do, but um, back then, so of course, one of the writers as well and our experts were the, was the linguistic professor, right? So we had to have him, so, cause he knows everything about linguistics and what that needs to look like. And of course, I was still the grant writer too to put it all together and make sure everything makes sense and to write certain sections. Um, but if you need that, you need that client, you need to tell them you need to bring them in, right? For your support. So once you have these people, then remember the executive director, the bookkeeper, um, the grant expert, if you will, and if they have a grant coordinator for you, you pull them all in and then you, you know, it, can, it might only take an hour or two. Go ahead and get the draft of what you actually want to present in the proposal. So I would say first, make sure you have the the needs stated, at least a rough draft. You don't have all the research done, then just make sure that you know that it is going to be a need. And then go ahead and put the goal, the objectives, the activities, and then the budget. Do your bare bones like that. That's really all you need. And then you can go ahead and say, okay, So if you have the bookkeeper doing something, you need to have them give you a rough draft of the budget by X date, right? And if you have the grant coordinator in there helping to get letters of commitment from the stakeholders, then you need to have all of those by X date, et cetera. And why it's important to have the executive director there is they can oversee everything and then it's not you just chasing down the people, right? So if you're just like chasing down the bookkeeper who you never met and trying to follow up with them on email to get information, then they're not, they don't know who you are. They're going to put you off. You are not going to be a priority. However, if they were part of the initial kickoff meeting, the executive director was there, and you had dates and timelines of everything you need, it's not just you chasing them down anymore. They have already made that a priority. They know that their boss knows <laughs> what they need to do, what that timeline is. So you're going to do less chasing. In this way, you as a freelancer are really guiding the process, and that's part of why they hired you because... They don't know how to get the grant done a lot of times right they don't even know what that process looks like and it also makes you a lot more professional and then you know who's doing what and when everything's getting down and a lot of those tasks might just be for you but at least then you can communicate right away this is when I'm getting it to you to review right um, and then I need it back by this date so I can freshen it all up so we have time to submit so definitely definitely yes a lot of times um, your clients will not know how to guide you but if you do this if, you know, first ask for, these are the documents I need, and then you have that kickoff meeting, oh my goodness, so much better. You are going to be very helpful to that client, and they're going to come back to you again and again. All right, guys, so those are some great questions that I got from the training. So if you're not able to join that training, um, I'll let you know if I do have another one. Um, so you can definitely check out my website once again, grantwritingandfunding.com. Uh, Go ahead, go forward slash 143 to today's episode so you can see the show notes there. So once again, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 143. But if you have any specific questions and you're a freelancer, please do find me on on social media, especially on Facebook. I have started a group. I'm gonna have that group open just for a couple of months and it's a Foundations to Freelance grant writing. So you can go ahead and get more information on freelancing. Once again, if you want more grant writing experience, do join my live six-week grant writing master course. That is gonna be chock full of information going really deep into the stuff that I just touched on today. And I also give you my formula. You guys are gonna to get tons of downloadables. You're gonna get the budget downloadable. You're going to get this checklist. You're actually gonna get the checklist I just talked about, <laughs> right? You're actually gonna have that and you're gonna have your kickoff meeting notes so you can just actually print those out and bring them. Um, to your different meetings. You'll also have a lot of information about how to do research on grants, how to actually create and write a goal, how to write your objectives, and how to write your entire activity chart, your budget, and your entire project narrative. That includes job descriptions, resumes, etc. Um, so yeah, you're definitely gonna be ahead of the game when it comes to grant writing after the six-week course where the doors close uh, this Thursday, November 5th. So please do join as we're kicking off on November 9th. All right, guys, I will see you next week. I hope you have a wonderful week. bye I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want more information, jump over to grantratingandfunding.com forward slash 143. And as always, if you love the podcast, please do me a favor and leave a review on iTunes or where you find your podcast. All right, guys, I'll see you next week.